بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم نحمده ونصلي على رسوله الكريم أما بعد We express our praise and gratitude to Allah Ta'ala. We seek blessings upon the Prophet, peace be upon him. So last we left off, we were about to begin ayahs 17 through 20. And so 17 through 20 are continuing the discussion of of models of belief and rejection. And can you see my screen? Yes. Of models and belief of belief and rejection by way of metaphor. So we will look at them and do some exercises in deciphering Quranic metaphors. Your companion. You know how you know when you're approaching the end of the of the Ramadan? When you start getting blasted with fundraising requests. And <clears throat> so I uh, 17. First, how do we know that this is metaphor? Begins by saying their likeness, their example. So they are like, they are like, their similitude, they may be compared. But before getting into that, what is a metaphor? Anybody? <clears throat> and we can also say what is a simile because someone's going to say a metaphor and a simile the difference is the use of the word like because reminding us that they went to eighth grade grammar but what is a metaphor or a simile anybody just like generally it's a comparison yes exactly you're comparing one thing to another having said that someone give us a metaphor like imagine I was talking about my students in metaphor. What would be things I might say? Having, yeah, Sabrina. Having a child is like going to prison. <laughs> that's, that's a pretty good metaphor. All right. Someone else, give us another metaphor. Life is not a bed of roses or life oh. is highway. Oh, wow. I'm going my way all night long. All right. Life. Another metaphor. Nobody else has a metaphor. You your students are sheep and you're their shepherd. Oh, snap. Okay. <laughs> I was thinking more like my students have the intelligence of a... Anyway, so yeah. Okay, very good. Very good, nice. So, so the basic idea of a metaphor is you're comparing something to something else. Why? do we use metaphors if i say that bilal's face is bright like the sun what am i trying to, what's the point i'm trying to make don't we use um metaphors to learn like in order to comprehend something you examine the differences and the likes of some of it yeah i mean it's a very complicated way of saying it just makes things easier to understand yeah so uh, absolutely. So here we have three metaphors. Metaphor one is I 17 and 18. Metaphor is I 19 and metaphor three is I 20. So one, two, three. Uh, the first one sometimes gets lost in the uh, 
in the translation here, their likeness is as the likeness of he who is kindling a fire. Then when it lights all around him, Allah takes away their light and left them in darknesses and they do not or they will not see. Deaf, mute, and blind, then they will not return. Okay. It's harder to, to make sense of this with translation. But let's piece through it. So let's see, I should probably do like, no. No, it didn't work. Put this box. Yeah, that didn't work either. Sorry. Um, Windows 50% literate. 50% literate. Okay. Well. Okay, so the easiest way to make sense of a metaphor is to list out its component components. So Aya, Aya's 19 through 20. Uh, all the students are back, so the internet is slow again. Their likeness is as follows. You have one who kindles a fire. And then it illuminates. Omar Joshua, are you writing something right now? Yeah, but it's I'm waiting for like the 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 internet over here to okay. oh there it is. Yeah. Great. I see it. <laughs> maybe maybe it needed Bilal to ask and then and then suddenly cut up all around him so so their likeness is is as follows one who kindles a fire it illuminates all around him that's what it's about to say here i'm afraid to uh reload but maybe we'll in a moment what if i hit f5 oops wrong page that was a mistake what if i hit f5 here boom Yeah, let's see if it loads. Internet, so slow. So Allah takes, I mean, literally what I'm doing is just I'm writing each of the components. Almost there. Almost, almost. Close this. Do this magic. And then shrink this. Now I lost it again. So let's see, hopefully it's appeared by now. Yeah, mashallah, okay. Y'all can kind of see the screen. Allah takes away their light, 
leaving them in darkness. Darknesses. Mute. Or darknesses they can't see. Deaf, mute, blind, they will not return. Okay, so hopefully this is all going to load up in a second. While the rest of it is loading up, first point to think, when you look at the elements, see if you can figure out what's positive or what's negative. Give me an example of fire being negative in the Quran? Easiest question in the history of all religion. Anyone? Hell. Hell, exactly. I don't remember if I mentioned in this class, my niece doesn't say the word hell. Uh, Bilal, I'm talking about Hawa. And she will say Jahannam. She won't say hell. She'll say H-E, two hockey sticks. Okay. So give me an example of fire that is positive. Warmth. Sure. Warmth, cooking. What about fire in the Quran? Um, Although it is used that way in the Quran. Uh, it was warm for Ibrahim instead of burning him. Yeah, or it was cool for Ibrahim. You know, peace be upon him. He was thrown into a fire and it actually cooled him rather than burning him. Yeah, exactly. What about light? Can you think of a negative usage of light? Light seems to be consistently used positively. Likewise, darkness seems to consistently be used negatively. And this is one of those fascinating things just about in every religious slash philosophical slash mythological tradition. Light is good, darkness is bad. A subtle point to think about, however, is you almost always say nur, light singular, paired up with dhulumat, darkness plural. So here, binurihim, so Allah took away their light and then left them in darknesses. So the use of the word light is almost always synonymous with guidance. And then by extension related to that knowledge, as well as justice or upright character. Darkness. is almost always synonymous with misguidance, sin, injustice, or oppression. Usually, it is oppression against yourself. Did we do this exercise in the last class uh, two days ago? That if I wrong you, and I'm actually harming myself. So if I steal from Mustafa, and let's say he suffers because I stole so much wealth from him. In this dunya, he's suffering. But then on the day of judgment, he is going to be collecting a proportional number of my good. 
So the amount I'm stealing from Mustafa is laying out the proportion in which I'll be causing myself to suffer on the day of judgment if he does not forgive me, if we don't resolve the situation. So when you are wronging someone in this dunya, you are actually wronging yourself when you include the day of judgment in the picture. I do whatever the worst crime is to you and cause you immense suffering in this world. Correspondingly, that is how much I have caused myself to suffer on the other side, if you don't forgive me. Okay. <clears throat> so now I try to make sense of this. The likeness of the following people is as follows. You have this person who comes along who's kindling a fire causing light to spread everywhere. So who is this? Who's coming along causing light to spread everywhere. And then for these people, it's causing them darkness. So who's this person? Guesses? Prophet? Uh, I'm sorry, Nadia, say it again. The prophet is spreading light? It is the prophet, peace be upon him. So their likeness is as the likeness of the following. You have the prophet or even a caller to Islam coming along, killing this fire, essentially creating something, and it's causing light to spread everywhere. But for them, it causes darkness. So this is the case where you have someone for whom light, i.e. guidance, or e.g. guidance, is actually repulsive for them. Which is akin to how we've been describing the hypocrites. Didn't his mom say there was light in her womb? Yes, uh, the prophet's mom, peace be upon him. Yes, exactly. This is actually, uh, isn't this a physiological thing? Uh, that there's this moment um, somewhere in pregnancy where there's this big flash of light. I think it's an actual physiological thing. Doctors? Like half this room is doctors. Okay, the doctors are like, yeah, we don't know. Yeah. Ask us about, you know, how it all. Okay, anyway, so, so the point here is that they are allergic to light. They are allergic to guidance. This is the nature of hypocrisy. But if they were left in darkness, chances are they did have a little bit of light. And that is also the nature of hypocrisy. Another metaphor about the contrast between a believer and a hypocrite is that a believer, a true believer, is like a fruit, a piece of fruit that looks nice to the eyes. So think of a fruit that looks nice to your eyes. What would it be? Dania, what's a fruit that looks nice to you? My favorite is pineapple. Pineapple. All right. Very interesting. Ifat, what's like a fruit that looks nice to you? Oh, well, you're at mute, so I don't know. Yeah. All right. Someone's about to say something. Nadia, what's a fruit that looks nice to you? Like a nice, shiny red apple. Okay. Nice. So the likeness of a believer is a fruit that looks nice, smells good, tastes good. And is full of nutrition, our word nutrition. 
The likeness of a hypocrite is a fruit that looks nasty, tastes nasty, smells nasty, but still has some amount of nutrition in it. That's the hypocrite. So, this is metaphor number one. Mute, deaf, dumb, and blind, deaf, mute, and blind, they will not return. You can reach a point in hypocrisy where you reach a point of no return, which is very scary. And thus, whatever you speak, it's of no benefit. You might have some amount of worldly benefit, but fundamentally for yourself, it is of no benefit. You may as well be mute. Whatever you hear is of no benefit. You may as well be deaf. And then whatever you see, whatever you look at, it is of no benefit. You're blind to guidance. And you can reach that point spiritually, which is very scary. Okay. Awesome. You look like you're processing very deeply at this moment. As deeply as I'm capable of. Mashallah. Yeah. That was a nice conversation we just had. Okay. Any questions? <laughs> any other questions about this metaphor? Next metaphor. Or. So we can assume this is another metaphor. So they were like the above. Or here you have thunder showers coming from the sky, complete darkness, darknesses, thunder and lightning, very vivid. And then they put their fingers in their ears to keep out the thunder. So, out of fear of death, and Allah surrounds the coffers. So, again, taking the pieces of this together, you have rainstorm and darkness, thunder, lightning. And what do they do? They put their fingers in their ears. So hopefully the screen will catch up to me in a second. Why? Fear of death. Okay. So... There is an absurdity here in their behavior. What is the absurdity? That they can't stop whatever it is they're afraid of. Sure. Even, yeah, keep going. No, I was going to say that it's the equivalent of like burying their head in the sand. The world keeps doing what it's doing. So that is absolutely true here. But there's a point of even further absurdity. They think that putting their fingers and their ears would prevent their death yeah that can thunder hurt you no can thunder kill you no but if i go like this okay the problem's gone okay so thunder can't even hurt you they're fearing the thunder rather than the lightning the lightning can kill them 
they're fearing the sound rather than the actual deadly thing. And then exactly as Awesome said, they're doing the equivalent of putting their head in the sand. So that would give them more protection than what they are doing, right? So uh, when we look at the big picture, the behavior of the hypocrites is actually absurd. In the short term, it might make sense, right? You know, they're lying to protect themselves. They're choosing the path of least resistance. They're choosing the easiest, most profitable path. But it's long-term loss. And it's easy to see. And so this is, again, a thing for all of us to be cautious about in our choices, our self-defense, our protective choices. Are we actually making absurd choices? So, for example, think about this in the case of nutrition. Think about this in the case of how you take care of things in your home. You know, are you doing the easiest route, which actually might not really be beneficial? You know, you're doing the cheapest route, which might not actually solve whatever problem you have. So imagine you have a leak in a pipe. And so to make the leak go away, you just, you know, write, you know, wrap some string around it. Oh, look, it stopped leaking. Problem solved. That is the behavior of hypocrites. That is fundamentally absurd. But at the core of it, what is causing the absurdity? It's fear of death. So a way to think about this, if you fear Allah versus fearing anything in creation, including death, if you fear Allah, you will run to Allah. If you fear anything in creation, you will run away from the creation. If you fear death, you will run away from death as much as you can, even though that is an absurdity because your death is set. This is the point that comes up in the passages about war and people that are running away from war and such. And so, yeah, like pressing the elevator button to make it come faster. Perfect example. Yeah. You mean it doesn't work? No. So the metaphor we spoke of in Al-Fatiha of ang of gratitude is that gratitude is like, wa uh, like water. The metaphor we spoke of of anger is that anger is like fire. And one of those will win in your heart. Either the water will put out the fire or the fire will evaporate the water. Gratitude versus anger. So the metaphor of fear is like lightning. Where it's in its seeming irrationality, it just goes in all kinds of whatever directions. And so, for example, think of spiders. Being honest, as honest as you'd like to be, how many of you are afraid of spiders? Anybody? Bilal, afraid of spiders? Um, I actually love them. Um, I don't know why. They're like the one bug that I've like never been scared of. I'm actually like deadly horrified of just like about everything else, but not spiders. Interesting. Right. <laughs> I like always let them stay in my apartment if they're there. Hmm. And you're like chilling with them and everything. All right. Nice. But you're not afraid of anything else. 
Oh, you're I, terrified of it, everything else. I am. Yeah, exactly. All right. So flies, ants, you know. Okay. So maybe fish, not everything. Silverfish. You know like things, about? things with like a lot of legs, I think. Like, <laughs> like centipedes and stuff really like creeping out. Like these things, silverfish. Let's see. Yeah, that's like really gross. Wait, this is not what I think of when I think of silverfish, but I want to take this off the screen because it's too gross. Yeah. <laughs> Danya, afraid of spiders? No, but similar to Bilal, I, I don't like things that fly. Um, like airplanes. Sh sure. Um, <laughs> bugs that fly. Dragonflies. They're fine from afar. Just don't come near me. Please. Ants that fly. Those are disgusting. Ah, got it, got it. All right. Roaches that fly. Those are the only thing that can make you run away screaming. <laughs> okay. Anyone else? Sabrine, are you afraid of any bugs? Um, I'm grossed out. I don't know. I killed a scorpion this summer. But where did you find a scorpion in Rockford? My bedroom in Philistine. Okay, Philistine. And she was using scorpion as a metaphor, but anyway, yeah. No, I really did, but um, I don't think I'm afraid of them. I think I'm grossed out. Okay. I, like, just really grossed out. But yeah, no, I can't think of something I'm afraid of in bugs wise. They're just right. grossed me out like them there. But I do. Them. Okay. And Aisha R is afraid of earwigs. Earwigs. Yeah, well, yeah. ate one before. That was gross. You ate one? Is that what you just said? I was an accident. I inhaled it. I was trying you to. No, it was not an accident. You were curious. <laughs> no, it really was. I think I was choking on my own spit for a good 20 minutes. So, yeah, it was more detail than we needed. But okay, don't Google giant hissing Malaysian roachers, especially at 2 a.m. Naturally, that's an invitation with everyone staring at my screen, but okay, I won't. Wasps and hornets, hornets are not fun either. Okay. So why are bugs so scary? I don't think they're scary. I think that's a learned behavior. I realized that when... Oh, are, you, are you like that meme where like, you know, you have this, these babies of two different colors that are playing with each other. Racism is not innate. It is learned. Hatred of bugs is not innate. It is learned. No, Mira was like super fascinated with all types of bugs until one time she saw me screaming from something I got grossed out on. And ever since then, she's now like afraid of whatever yeah. it's called. And I'm like, oh man, that's on me. That's so. true. Layla. Yeah, my daughter Layla, she used to love picking up bugs and stuff. I don't know if she still does. She Are you just... right here? I'm sorry. My daughter Layla. Oh, I don't know if you're talking about this or somebody else. Danya. I hate not knowing like what their next action is, like where uh, they're going to end up, what they're thinking, like where they're going. Like, you know, I, I just want to get us on the same page. Just get out mm -hmm. of my space of living. Like lightning. Oh, snap. Awesome. I think there's also sort of a um, self, an urge for self-preservation, right? And so like <clears throat> scared of bugs in Australia Apparently they have these gigantic spiders. Yeah, that, you know. but but like reasonably, if I know a bug can't kill me, it doesn't bother me. Uh, right. So, and, but it's also say, like a question of. Oh, oh, I, I can give you an example if you want. Okay, okay go for it. 
what at one point a few years ago my beard was a lot longer and my wife and I went camping and we were cleaning up after dinner and a bug flew into my beard and got stuck right so I said to my wife I was like check this out and she looks over and I do this and pull it out and it was enormous and I just like threw it and it flew away but again the bug here was a metaphor yeah sure yeah but generally speaking like unless something knowingly can kill it so like snakes generally don't bother me but then rattlesnakes i know that they're they're dangerous interesting yeah so let's say you're asleep Mm -hmm. and you feel something slither along your leg fear no fear 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 and and then you wake up (laughs) it's a rattlesnake anyway so okay so part of what makes these things frightening is we don't know what their next steps are part of it is the threat of death uh our other i'm sorry sabrina threat of pain okay fine pain uh, let's see. And Jewel says, can't see their eyes. I think that's another big part of it. This is when young Steven Spielberg was making E.T. He made sure to make E.T. have big blue eyes. Right? Contrast that with Optimus Prime in the Transformers movies, or any of the Transformers, you can't see their eyes. The movie sucks because you can't see their eyes. Right? Sucks for more reasons than that, but yeah. So, So all of this What's the common element in all this? It is the unknown. You just right? Spielberg to Michael Bay. <laughs> I mean, Michael Bay is basically Steven Spielberg protege. So Steven Spielberg produced the original Transformers. So see yeah. what I did there? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so the point here being that the core of the fear of the unknown is the fear of death. What is the difference between the fear of death and the fear of the day of judgment? Is the problem of the hypocrite is the fear of death. Awesome. Um, The fear of death presumes that there's nothing beyond this life. Mm -hmm. And so that's why you're afraid of it. Fear of the day of judgment implies that you uh you know when you fear something you live your life in a way where the outcome of that something is in your favor right Mm -hmm. so fear of death means that you will do go to any lengths to avoid death fear of the fear of the day of judgment means you will go to any lengths to avoid hell Mm -hmm. very much so mustafa uh I agree with everything that Hossam said, but I also think that there's another element to it potentially where uh, they're more focused on what they can see and what's immediate rather than what comes after. It's like they're mm-hmm. they're blindsided of sorts. Totally. Short-sighted. Yeah. And that's a recurring theme here of the hypocrites. Uh, they're not far-sighted, they're short-sighted. Absolutely. So this is a second metaphor about the hypocrites that one element of the short-sightedness was, hey, okay, I can't hear the thunder anymore. I'm safe. Okay. And then the deeper issue being that the fear of thunder, which cannot hurt them, is motivated by a fear of death, 
that fear, like lightning, seems to go in all kinds of directions to the point that it seems to be irrational. That if you fear death, you're going to fear just about every, every single thing related to the unknown. If you can cure your fear of death, then you will also cure much of your fear of the unknown. If you can cure your fear of death, you can cure a lot of your non-physiological anxiety. So there's some anxiety, just like some depression, that's physiology, that's different, that's chemical. But if you can cure your fear of death, you can cure a lot of your other fears as well. So the goal, number one here, is to fear that which can hurt you. Lightning, Thunder can't hurt you, lightning can hurt you. Bigger than that, the fear itself is a fear of death. One time I was driving in the middle of a storm reflecting on this ayah, and I thought, I only fear Allah. And then literally at that moment, this field next to me, this bolt of lightning hit the ground to the point that there was like this, like uh, for a split second, the ground had this sphere of just pure bright white light. And then I was like, no, I still fear all this. Right? I mean, it scared me quite a bit. So I was talking bigger than you know, a bigger game than what I actually played. Okay. <clears throat> Third metaphor. Should we do third metaphor now? Oh, Sabrine. Did you have you seen that video clip about the earthquake where they're praying and then the earthquake uh happened and they everyone took off except the imam? No, but I believe it. I was just curious that you know if they're sitting there and they're praying, that means they're you know they're they shouldn't have feared death, but they still uh, took off. So that reminds me of this joke. That, is that like a human i mean could be yeah i think it's a human thing yeah so this one time all these people are at the masjid and shaitan walks in like shaitan himself so probably wasn't ramadan and he goes hey everybody boom i'm shaitan and then everybody got scared and they ran out yeah shouldn't be fearing shaitan but i mean he's a jinn and everything so people got scared and they ran away and there's this old man, this joke is so inappropriate, but there's this old man in the front just sitting there. And Shaitan's curious, like, wow, this guy must be really pious. Why is he not afraid of me? And then he walks up to this old man. Y'all really want to hear the end of this joke. I mean, it's going to be anticlimactic. Well, now we do. <laughs> yeah. So Shaitan walks up to him and says, hey, aren't you afraid of me? I'm Shaitan. And this old man looks at him. And he says, why would I be afraid of you? I've been married to your sister for the last 60 years. Saw that coming. <laughs> yeah. All righty. Looks like for everybody else in the class of Rosa Lagra. So, okay. So, so the point is, yeah, uh, Sabrina, related to your, your uh, scenario, in theory, somebody's in prayer has no fear of death, but think about any of us. I mean, if you were in prayer, and you're in the middle of an earthquake, will you have that level of Iman where you're comfortable just standing there thinking, Allah's in control of my destiny? No, I think most people would probably run. That is uh, also the story of the guy who walked into the masjid in Khalil. What's the masjid in Hebron? Um, the, the settler that opened fire. The Ibrahimi masjid? Yeah. 
Uh, this guy walked in, opened fire. This is like February 1994. And people ran, a whole bunch of people were killed, but the imam continued praying. You know, that is the, the story of what happened then. So, yeah. In any case. Uh, sorry. Sorry, sorry, um, what were you saying? I was saying we also, we had a similar situation where an imam was stabbed recently in New York. Oh, yeah, right. What's the and story? Everybody ran. Yeah, everybody. They were all in Sajda and they, they actually, everybody ran to mm. um, either catch him or with fear or whatever. But the video shows how there was chaos. Uh, okay. Cool. Any other questions, thoughts, reflections? So, part of. When tomorrow, inshallah, we look at the third metaphor, we're going to then invert all of them to look at what is the the preferred behavior. So, for example, in this case, the preferred behavior, number one, is you actually fear things that can hurt you. But the deeper point is to remove from yourself the fear of death. And so think of how can I remove the fear of death from me? Reflect upon that. And that will be part of our discussion, inshallah, tomorrow. No other questions, thoughts, reflections? Ready. We will stop here then, inshallah, and we'll continue. Sorry for the inconvenience for everyone who logged in yesterday. I literally just slept right here for about two hours. And then I had my bizarro dreams. That woke me up literally just in time for iftar. So that was pretty cool. Right. Subhanakallahumma awasadiyah. Yeah, I actually have a question. So what if the fear of death is because you don't know how your book of deeds going to look like? So that would be more of a fear of the day judgment. Make sense? Hmm. Okay. Oh. Any other questions? All righty. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika nashadu wa la ilaha illa anta. May Allah tell reward you all, inshallah, and we'll continue tomorrow. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. You gotta admit that joke was a good joke. <laughs>